Evolutionary.org podcast coming away, episode 454. Steve Schmee here. Ricky as in Vivacious Rock. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? Yeah, so we're speeding right along. I can't believe we're already up to 454. Hard to believe that one. So in this episode, we're going to do something. I think it's a really good series that we can kind of get into. I think you guys will really enjoy these. We're going to kind of dive into some of these other podcasts um, that are out there. Um, a lot of macro information that gets put out there. A lot of these people doing these podcasts, they have no clue what they're talking about. They just interview people. There's no citations. There's no scientific backing for anything that they say. They can just say anything. And they have millions of people that listen to them. And, you know, whether it be shows on TV or podcasts or shows on the Internet or whatever, everyone can do it. There's no filter. You know, there's no filter. It's the uh, it's the wild, wild west out there where anyone can put out information and people will believe it. And so in this podcast, we're going to kind of play some clips of stuff regarding steroids and bodybuilding, all kinds of stuff. I think it's going to be a really good series because we can kind of give you guys some of the science behind the things that are said and give us give our opinions and give give some facts behind these clips. And you can make your own decision from home. You can go and research it on your own and then it can kind of help everyone kind of spread information. So that's all we're all about here. We're about spreading knowledge. And this is what this podcast is all about, guys. And we always try to be accurate with the, with the stuff we say. So the first one, Rick, let me bring you in on here. The first one was a show about Hollywood's dirty secret with steroids. So if you want to play that one, we'll get it going. So yeah, this is a clip about uh, Hollywood's dirty secret, steroids. And uh, if you guys like this style of show, make sure to leave a comment on uh, YouTube if you're listening there or comment on um send us a comment either internal go to evolutionary.org or elitefitness.com uh send us a message let us know that you like like the style so uh here it is the first clip hollywood's uh dirty secrets let's take a look at this picture you guys it's jared leto and he has gotten ripped to play the joker in suicide squad and and there's the crazy picture but you know we all love looking at these sexy men who muscle up for roles right but how do some get so big so fast and is it safe and tonight's et expose finding the strength i've never touched a steroid or a hormone or a magic pill in my life so I wouldn't know anything about that. I hear rumors, but I don't judge people who have. Uh, that's their life experience. Talk about getting buff. Is it all cheeseburgers and weightlifting, or is there help from, from a doctor? Is there guidance? No, you're just lifting a lot of weights and eating a lot of protein. I mean, it's pretty boring, to be honest. I mean, it's not as glamorous as you think That's it Captain is. America. It's the question. Wonder how Chris Hemsworth can go from 215 pounds as Thor to super lean in vacation? Or how does Jake Gyllenhaal put on 15 pounds of muscle between his nightcrawler and southpaw roll? Hugh Jackman, who just joined the 1,000-pound club, goes from this to this in months. There are many stars who've had amazing transformations for their roles. For some, it's intense, hard work. 50 reps, one giant set. You're in the vortex. 
You're training hard. It's six, eight months of prep that I did. But for the others, rock. Hollywood's dirty secret is anabolic steroids. It will flat out say, you know, I need to bulk up, I have a roll, or I have a concert coming up, and I need to get myself in better shape quickly. In other words, it's most That's of it is about not wanting to go through the hard work. The hell league you've been playing in? California penal. Charlie Sheen is one of the few actors on the record about using steroids for a role. You said something pretty extreme about your time on Major League. I did steroids, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know he was doing that? Did you do he anything like drastic? Shit. No, no, no I, I, I didn't do anything drastic. Well, I, I still don't believe they did that. But I only did him for like sounds two good. months and put some speed on my fastball and that was it. You know, I got a few bar fights, but who cares? I mean, come on. <laughs> Nobody cared back then. You'll see an actor and they'll get paid a lot of money to look a certain way for a given role. And there's a lot of pressure to do that. So they it's may resort doctor. to taking steroids and, and lifting weights to get there quick. And, you know, I don't think studios pay attention to it. They kind of do turn a blind eye to it, most likely. For me, I thought it was going to be more interesting to look at my life and and know that what I did was was what I was born capable to do. Uh, it was always about doing the most with what I had rather than, you know, some imaginary goal. That's the end of it right, right there. What do you what do you think, Steve? Yeah. So let me explain um, because I did some acting back in my day when I was younger. And the way acting works, I don't think people realize this, and that's okay because a lot of people, you know, they don't understand the industry. And Rick, I'm sure you don't understand this either. But when you um, audition for a role, you provide them the casting agent or the director or the producers, whoever is going to be in charge of picking the cast for a certain role, you're going to provide them a type of resume of your past, you know, roles that you've did, but you're also going to include on there your special skills. Like in your, if for you, Rick, you would include in their MMA, mixed martial arts, because you do mixed martial arts. You know about mixed martial arts. You have, you've put in a lot of hours in mixed martial arts. So let's say there's a movie coming out, and it's going to be, you know, the Karate Kid Part 20. And they need some actors who know a little bit about martial arts. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to be a great martial artist, but you actually, you know, they, you know, they're going to use camera tricks and they're going to use editing and stuff to make you look good regardless. But you have to at least know something about martial arts. You can't just go in there and not even be able to, to do a kick, you know, because you don't have the flexibility or anything. You're, you know what I'm saying? So that's what that's what happens when they're doing movies. They don't just hire someone out of the blue. So these actors that you see who make these transformations, as they mentioned in that Entertainment Tonight video, they're not just guys like that. They're just pulling randomly here. These are guys that they know can fulfill the obligations of getting into shape um, and have a weight training background or a bodybuilding background or have done something like that. There's been roles that have been the opposite. There's been roles where they needed to, like Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men, great fucking movie. Um, he won best actor uh, in that in that role, but he is a model and he does a lot of he did a lot of acting. But for that role, he had to put on a lot of fat. He had to become really, really big. He was playing the role of a, basically a psychopath killer. So what he did ahead of the wall, well, he did the opposite. 
of what these guys are doing in the in the in the clip he started he was eating like cheeseburgers all day tons of cheeseburgers tons of fast food just to get a you know kind of ruin his physique on purpose so he could play this role of this big huge 250 pound killer you know who's driving all over uh, texas you know killing people so you know so it works both ways but these these actors like the rock and and arnold when he used to do movies in Sylvester Stallone, these guys, it's not like they picked them randomly out of a hat. These guys audition for these roles. These guys are picked for these roles because of their ability to say, you know what, we're shooting in, in three months. We're shooting this movie. It's an action movie. We need you to get into the best shape of your life so you look good in front of the camera. So it's not like, you know, they're just pulling these people out of the blue. So these guys can spend the next three months. They're going to be making a nice, they're going to get cut a nice check. Okay, to doing the movie so they can spend the next month or next two months or next three months prepping for for their particular role. And they're going to use steroids. They're going to use supplements. They're going to use whatever they need to do to to look good. They're going to hire the best coaches. They're going to hire the best personal trainers. <clears throat> you know, these guys are going to help them get into shape. And if these guys tell them you're going to run 500 milligrams of trend. You're going to run 500 milligrams of DECA. You're going to run 500 milligrams of tests. You're going to run five, uh, 50 milligrams of Anadrol all day. This is going to be your cycle. And then you're going to work out six days a week, hour and a half each day for this role because you're making all this money. And if you really, really, really look good for this action movie, guess what? There's a good chance you'll get casted in the future. So you want to look really, really good. For, for your role. So that's how it works in Hollywood, guys. I think a lot of people don't understand that. If you're a great bicyclist, like my Rick, you're a great mountain biker. If they're doing a movie um, about in the Andes Mountains about some bicyclist, you know, who travels the mountains on his bicycle, that would be a role for you. They're not going to hire someone who's never been on a bicycle in their life because it's going to be a disaster. You know, so you know, that's, that's what they do for, for these movies. I mean, they, they need actors who fit certain roles. You could be a great driver. You could be in a movie where there's a lot of driving, you know, like uh, Fast and the Furious, you know, even though, you know, a lot of those the action sequences are done by stuntmen, still, you need to be able to drive a car. If you've never, if you lived in New York your whole life and never drove, drove a car before, because you don't need to in New York, then they're not going to hire you for that role. You see what I'm saying? So, that's, that's the way it works, guys. But at the end of the day, like if I went to you, Rick, and I said, Rick, I'm going to give you 50 grand for this movie role. You for the next, you got, and we're shooting in four weeks. Isn't that enough of an incentive for you to get in the best shape of your life and go work out and bust your ass so you can look really, really good in front of the camera? That's, that's the way it works in Hollywood. So, yes, they're going to use steroids. They're going to do whatever they need to do to look good for that movie role. You know, Steve, uh, it's interesting you, you brought that up. Um, someone I've criticized uh, openly before is uh, the new Batman, Robert Pattinson. Because uh, Robert Pattinson decided he just was not going to get in, in shape for Batman. And he said, quote unquote, it sets a precedent. Meaning he kind of knew that if he gets in shape for this role, he's going to uh, be asked to do it again for other roles. And he just, he just didn't want to do it. Uh, he said, I just set a president. No one was doing it in the 70s. 
meaning this um, getting in shape for roles is actually a, a I don't want to say a new thing because we got sliced alone getting in shape for Rocky a very long time ago. And I guess you could say Arnold was getting ready for the big screen uh, before he left, he ever left Austria. Right. So, um, but it's more done more so now where these guys don't look like that year round, but when a role comes around, they'll get, they'll look like that just, just a few months. And I think, look, if you look at all these physique transformations, right. Um, and you, and you, and they, and if they happened over a natural time, a couple of years, some of them, then you could say, Hey, this is natural because their results could be achieved naturally. You can look like any of these guys naturally, no problem. Um, well, maybe there's an exception of one or two in there, but you can look like this naturally, no matter what, but you'd have to be very on point lifestyle habits, training diet for years. And you could achieve that where the criticism comes in or where everybody's looking for how they're doing it. And, and we're all thinking steroids is because of the short amount of time in which they do it in. Like they really, they really go from like fluff to, to super buff back to fluff in a matter of months. And what other good ways there to explain it that, that some just good old steroid use, you know, just some good old, uh, good old steroid cycles. I've had some clients that were um, actors and stuff like that, that I've worked with in the past for sure. And a lot of them, um, the most common thing that I've helped them with is they've been overweight and they've tried to trim up for their role because they don't want to look overweight. The camera, they say the camera adds 10, 15 pounds to you. So, um, and I kind of agree with that. So a lot of them, they'll, they want to get as lean as possible for their role, but plus, you know, it's a lot of, it's, it's a grind, you know, it's a grind. Uh, shooting a movie so you want to be in good shape when you shoot the movie you know and you want to look good for everybody when when you're out there you want to do something there's nothing worse in acting rick than um i i can i can kind of um put it this way like imagine like you rick you know you play used to play soccer when you're younger imagine if you know they film your soccer match and they gave you a video after it and you took the video home and you just played awful. You had a horrible game. There's nothing worse than, than doing that because you can't go back in time and change it. So with acting, they want to make sure they look as good as possible in front of that camera. Because like you said, there's, there's acting roles to be had in the future and you need to impress, you need to impress people. You know, you need to basically look good. It, Arnold actually... Arnold was actually really, uh, it, it was weird with Arnold because his, in his role, some of his roles he did, like True Lies, for example. You've seen True Lies, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in True Lies, that was so silly because he was cast with Tom Arnold. Okay. That was his sidekick. He worked, you know, as a spy. But the thing is, Tom Arnold had a horrible physique. You know, he's just like a dad bod physique. You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's a comedian. I mean, he's not a freaking bodybuilder. And then Arnold, he's like all jacked in the movie. He's got biceps popping out of his shirt and stuff. So it's like Arnold looked too good for that role. There's not, you don't see spies walking around, you know, uh, with that kind of physique, okay? I mean, that just doesn't happen. You, you would stick out like a sore thumb. 
I mean, you're a, a spy like that who travels the world and pretends to be a businessman <laughs> wouldn't look like that. You, you, you get what I'm you get what I'm saying? He would look like Tom Arnold. He wouldn't look the way Arnold did. So it's kind of a silly, silly role for him. That was an example of, of Arnold should have definitely came off the roids and uh, tried to, to lose as much muscle as he could for that role and eat a bunch of cheeseburgers, kind of like Javier Barnum did for his role. You know, so to make it more realistic, but I guess, hey, it's Arnold. He's always got to look jacked in his movies. He looked more jacked in that movie than some of his movies that he did in the 80s. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It made no sense. And I love the accent, too. He's an American spy with some kooky East European accent. It, it, it made no fucking sense. I mean, what a ridiculous movie. But, you know, hey, that's, it, it, you know, the point is they made a lot of money, so. It was a it was a pretty funny movie though overall. It was kind of stupid, but it was it was funny at the same time. Um, I thought that was one of his best roles, by the way, um, in terms of comedy. I liked it, but yeah, my you point know, is like, yeah, Tom Arnold couldn't. You ever wonder did Tom Arnold try to you know catch up to Arnold for the role? Maybe they could have Arnold gave gave back some muscle, and, and Tom Arnold could have looked a little better to make it more realistic. You know, it was kind of funny. Yeah, go ahead. You know, th throughout the years, because I about five, six years into my steroid use is when I started actually doing consultations and, and working with people, helping people out. Um, and it's been about 15 years doing it. Those 15 years, I have uh, worked uh, with uh, several really kind of known people, even uh, people in movies, but it never kind of opened the door to getting a ton more work. Like, you know, it was just a... a just that one time and then a couple of years went by and someone else would pop up and then more years would go by and someone else would pop up. I'm not like what I'm, what I'm thinking about would be cool as fuck to just like be over there and work with several actors and, and really be known as the guy who, who does that, which would be, that'd be pretty, pretty cool actually. Um, thinking that there might be actually be someone like that out there. Or maybe these guys, maybe that person doesn't exist and these guys when they need it they'll go and find or they have that one guy that helps them and and it's you know and, and that's it but uh it's interesting to think about right right steve there could be a guy out there in hollywood who's got uh let's say our level of knowledge and he is known he's the word around town for getting people ready for roles or do you think they search out for someone they they kind of know or are comfortable with uh well, well they're not gonna, that happens yeah they're, they're not gonna cast them like i said at the beginning you're not gonna get casted unless you have some type of background in fitness and i'm just gonna cast some random guy who's never lifted a weight in his life you see what i'm saying you have to have some type no, of no unless, but i mean i mean yeah. i mean the guy i mean the guy behind the scenes who is telling these actors what yeah, to yeah, take, yeah. What well to that's what i was gonna say my second point was they know you know who to go to they know there's a group of guys you know, who are the top trainers over there. They, they know who to go to. It's not like they're just going to a franchise gym and, and hiring a personal trainer there. They, they know, they know who to go to. They probably have a, a handful of people providing the steroids to them. They have a handful of trainers that will help you put together a cycle, that sort of thing. So, and in that um, entertainment tonight video, there's actually a doctor who does prescribe uh, certain steroids to celebrities in, in, in that video. You always have doctors like that who, you know, who are just kind of like outcasts out of the medical community. So they, they turn to doing that. Those are usually the doctors who work for anti-aging anti clinics. 
And they're the ones that sign these prescriptions for these anti-aging clinics to, um, to give people, you know, steroids basically, or uh, testosterone replacement therapy. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the way it works. So it's, it's really, it's really cool. Um, you know, obviously if you want to watch a, you know, a movie, um, next time you watch a movie, you know, think about, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying here, think about how much it's not just, um, 10 minutes of prep, you know, for these movies, they, they take time. I mean, it takes time. Some of these movies take six months, year, two years to finally come together. So, they'll have plenty of time to, to prep and they want to look really good for their movies. Now, if it's a shitty movie, if it's a, like a D rate movie, you know, like a Kevin Hart movie or something that they put together in one afternoon, they write it in one afternoon and it, it, they film the movie like in two weeks or an Adam Sandler movie or some shit movie like that, then it's different. But if it's a good high quality movie, there's a huge ass budget. They want to, obviously the actors want to make sure that they look really good for the movie. I do give Arnold credit I've never seen an Arnold movie where he hasn't looked good in the movie, but I've seen Sylvester Stallone movies where he hasn't looked good. So there is, that's, that tells me that Arnold, even at his worst, is still a really, really jack guy. The Rock also, in all his movies, he always looks good. So that tells me he stays in shape year round. And that tells me, you know, that he's cast there. He's, he's definitely typecast for that, those types of roles where he has to, you know, play an action figure. Or yeah. He, he's built himself into that niche. Like he can, he can act yeah. really well act and he looks good on camera and, and as, as a big, very believable, big action hero kind of guy. So he's uh, yeah. he, he I want to call niche. him a, I want to call him a, a great actor, but I mean, yeah. He's, well, for he's, someone with that kind of musculature, yeah. right. Um, same yeah. thing. I guess you could even say the same thing about Arnold, but with someone with that kind of musculature, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I want to see some of these action guys win an Oscar. That would be that would impress me more than than anything. That's what I look for in acting. I want to see good quality acting win win some Academy Awards and then we'll talk, you know. So, you know, one but, of yeah. the one of the I think one of the things that makes someone a great actor is being able to do a really good accent, actually. And uh, they're actors from from Australia, UK. Uh, that have their accent, but they fake an American accent in a movie when they're when they're cast as an American. Same thing with some Americans that fake uh, foreign yeah. accents where they're cast in those movies. Arnold, for Arnold, for all his years acting, he could never fake an American accent. Like, okay, let's say this is Arnold's nope. accent, but he could have faked an American accent in some movies where he's an American. He could he couldn't couldn't do that. And uh, great actors, you know, the guys that really are really good at their craft, they can usually fake any accent you, you ask them to. Yeah, it's a lot easier for a British actor to fake an American accent than vice versa, for sure. That's just that's just the way it works with, with accents. Um, and a lot of times, here's the thing with acting, they'll give you a chance to kind of modify your accent. Like I'm sure in True Lies, they would have loved if Arnold could put off, you know, pull off an American accent to make it realistic that he's an American spy. But obviously some people can't. And when they can't, they just let them keep their accent for the movie. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's just the way it works. There's something about, you know, theater and acting where sometimes it's best just to let the person 
keep their accent, you know, if, because if they try to change their accent, it looks too goofy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, I, th- I think they're really good ones can, can do any accent you ask them to, but yeah, what you're saying is right. Sometimes uh, trying to get them to change the way they naturally would talk. It makes them, makes them goofy for sure. British actors over the past five years have been incredible. Like I have not seen so much fucking talent come out of any country like British actors have been tearing it up over the past five years. They were getting really, really good at making movies too. Uh, British, British cinema. So they, they're really, really damn good at it. So I've been, I've been very impressed by that. One of the guys that impressed me a lot, there was a a show on HBO years ago, uh, um, True Blood. And one of the characters, uh, the, the, the main character's brother, uh, Suki's brother, uh, Jason Stackhouse, right? You hear him, he sounds like an American, like a, he's got like a weird kind of country California accent, but he's actually uh, uh, an Australian kid. And uh, in his interviews, he sounds as Australian as he gets. But during the show, he was able to fake a really good American accent. So I always, I always found that interesting uh, um, to hear what other countries, uh, a version of an American accent is like. It's funny. Yeah, there's that's it's you know that's just one of those things. It's just so much easier for Brits to fake an American accent. So I'm gonna have next time on my podcast with the mobster. I'm gonna see if he can fake an American accent a little bit. That'll be funny. That'll be hilarious. Yeah, if he can do a whole podcast with a fake American accent, that would be that would be uh that would be hilarious. Yeah. During during a season of the of the Ultimate Fighter, uh, it's a season where they have a uh, new guys fight off to get contracts into the UFC. It was a season where they had uh, British guys under Michael Bisping uh, against uh, an American group under Dan Henderson, and uh, and the British guys under Michael Bisping, they all said Americans had whiny accents. That was kind of their 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 whole mockery on uh on Americans is you have whiny accents. So I guess to to British Americans uh, sound like they're whining because of the accent. I, I don't know. All right, guys. So yeah, that's really interesting. Next time you watch a movie, think about think about that. The these actors are not just getting thrown out there out of nowhere. They they have a you know talent for for certain things. And they know when they cast them, hey, this dude can really transform his body in eight weeks. That's why we're gonna we're gonna get this guy on. And if you can prove that you can transform your body in different roles, <clears throat> that's like the best thing ever. That's that's you get a lot of respect when you, when you're able to do that. Change your physique and and like Rick said, being able to fake an accent, all that stuff, that just adds to um, you know the talent of the actors for sure. So, but yeah, um, do do Hollywood actors. And actresses use steroids? Absolutely. Absolutely, they do. They're going to do whatever it takes to do their career. Listen, at the end of the day, like these mid-level actors, they don't make that much money. Um, they only make, like some of them only make 40000 50000 a year. So a lot of them have jobs. They have normal $50,000, 60000 a year jobs that they work full time. And then they'll take an acting role here and there. So, I mean, this misconception that actors make tons of money, most of them do not. But the top, you know, the top tier actors, you know, of course, they get they get paid millions. But everyone else, they don't get paid shit. So, I mean, they're not going to be able to drop everything they're doing and go train for the next two, three months like these other guys can. 
you know, who make a lot of money. So you got to factor that in too. So when you're watching a movie and you see the main actors in the movie, they all look jacked and then the other actors don't look as jacked. That, that might be why that might be why those actors have full-time jobs. They can't commit hundred percent to this and they might have jobs where they're, you know, they might get tested for steroids at some point. So, I mean, they have to be careful with that too. So. And, and guys, again, just to go back to our original point with Steve, we're not saying these physiques could, couldn't be attained naturally. They, they really could. I mean, they really, really could. Uh, but not in that short kind of period of time that we see these guys kind of do it. Like some of these physiques would be built over three to five years of like just consistency and discipline, six, seven years of consistency and discipline. And you could build some of these physiques naturally, but uh, we'll see these guys do a movie one year where they don't look like that. And then they've got another movie out less than two years later, less than 18 months. And they look like that. And you could, you know, you could tell you go back and, and look at this when the movies were shot. And sometimes it's only, you know, just, just a year, a year, year and a half time. And, and look, you could do a lot in a year, like you could do great in a year, but not build it up. I mean, if you were, okay, if you were huge, if you have the muscle memory, uh, you could, you usually will make better progress faster than anyone who's doing it for the first time. If you're like doing it for the first time, and you're an actor in your late twenties and thirties, and you're like doing this bit getting built up for the first time. And you do it in a year, you're going to have like, dude, that's a lot of supplements, a lot of steroids, you know, and a lot of supplements, a lot of training dedication, obviously someone to someone to help you. So it's, it's not their end results that we are uh, questioning or saying are driven by chemistry is the actual short periods of time that these guys uh, do it and achieve that, that kind of look in. So next one we're going to talk about is bubble gut, a.k.a. Palumboism. So, Rick, you want to play that clip? So this is a clip from a podcast uh, like four years ago. We just never really did this clip. But this is Dorian Yates on the Joe Rogan podcast talking about Palumboism. Yes. Phil Heath. Pretty well, jacked. Yep. He's, He's uh, jacked. Phil Heath is, you know, giant. Is not very wide in the shoulders. Uh, that's his Christ. weak point, but he's got huge, um, long muscle bellies on most of his body. His, his pecs are not great, but the rest, <laughs> you know, the rest is, a. Uh, he doesn't really have any weak points. So that's why he's, is ahead of everybody else. And you just think there's just less people doing it now? There's less people going into competitive bodybuilding because there's a lot more avenues. And I think it's less popular now because it's almost like peaked out with myself and running and, and gone down a little bit. Um, it's like, how do you, you know, how do you surpass it got to a, a peak and guys are trying to do that. So that they, you know, that they're, they're trying to get big and they're getting big, but they're getting big with a big waist and everything as well. So it's not the same. It's not the same look. It's not the, they don't have the same quality. That's gotta be super dangerous. Isn't it? When you see those guys, those enormous bloated bellies. Yeah. That's a that's... huge debate. And, the, and like, what is that? You know, what is it? Um, I don't know. Is it internal uh, organs that are Well, growing? here's the thing. Initially, uh, that's what people thought, right? And um, I, my waist started to get a little bloated around 96, 97, maybe 97, um, when I was using insulin, right? It got a little bloated, a little distended. Um, but when I retired, it went down. And I actually, in England, 
because well, I was always like, oh, I'm taking steroids for this sport because I'm a professional. When I'm not competing, I'm not going to take them. So stop taking them. And also I took growth hormone. And that was the thing. A lot of people think growth hormone is going to increase the size of your internal organs. And that's why guys are getting blown to waistline. Uh, so I went and had a real, I mean, a battery of tests where they actually measure all your internal organs. And mine were all totally normal. Apart from my heart was a bit bigger and stronger, but that's just normal athletic heart. Uh, so that wasn't the case. So I, perhaps it's um, uh, fat that's building up around the internal organs, or maybe it's just a lot of water in the intestines and it just bloats the waste out. Oh, the, short answer is, the short answer is I don't really know. Who's that guy in the far left? Uh, I don't that's know. like a turtle shell. Doesn't that look like a turtle shell? Yeah. Jesus Christ. So, so that could be insulin. That could be a variety. I, I of think this things. is. We only seen this kind of thing happening since the guys are using insulin, and uh, IGF, which is insulin-like growth factor. Wow. Um. So yeah, it's not a good look. It's not a you know it's weird. Uh, the turtle shell look is so weird. It literally looks like so. Someone... It's like the guys have got big like but everywhere systemic yeah. like growth. You know when you train with weights, you you know your major muscles are going to grow, but not around the waist can thicken a little bit, but not that much. Now, when you got off of everything, when yeah. you retired, what was the crash like? Well, it wasn't something I was ready for. I had a lot of things going on in my life. I had a divorce. I had uh, somebody close to me uh, pass away. And I'm, you know, retiring. So, you know, they say a death in the family or a divorce or a retirement is like a major stressful event. Well, how about having all fucking three at the same time? Mm. While you're not while you're coming down from steroids. So, yeah, I, I definitely suffer from depression, anxiety. I don't, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, why do I feel like this? I didn't even, like, now I know. Right. Yeah, because you fucking stop cold turkey. Because I'm extreme. I'm like, I'm using them because I'm doing this. I'm stopped now and stop. So, and I had no real help. There was no real, like, there's guys now, in, especially in the States, that, you know, they, they specialize in you, patients that are using steroids and all the, you know, possible side effects and coming off and all that stuff. I don't really have any of that. So I just went cold turkey. And after about two years, my normal testosterone was still not coming into the normal. So then I went on the replacement therapy, which is like twice a month uh, testosterone replacement. And yeah, then I felt normal again. <laughs> There he goes. Yeah, so um, so there's a lot to digest from that episode. I I definitely um, it's I think that what what he was saying, what Dorian was saying, Rick, about the organs is a little little wishful thinking on his part. I think um, a lot of people have taken that and ran with it a little too much that I, I've noticed in the past four years since that clip was done, and I think that shows like this kind of do a lot of harm in the industry because there's no citations, there's no evidence. Um, I think that, you know, it's safe to assume, you know, the bubble gup is a combination of all of the above. It's a combination of enlarged organs. It's a combination of eating too much food. It's a combination of insulin use and then HGH use. It's all a perfect storm. And I'll explain, I'll explain this to you. Now, a lot of you might, might be on HGH right now. And you're saying, oh, Steve, you know, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm trimming up on HGH. When you run too much HGH, it's not the same thing as using the therapeutic doses of HGH. You're using two, three IUs a day. 
these pros are using 15, 20, 25 IUs per day. They're going to use as much HGH as they need to, to do the job for them. The problem is when you use that much HGH, it boosts insulin resistance, causes your blood sugar to go up. So then they, they use insulin on top of it. Now, when you use insulin, you know, insulin will drive down your blood sugar and then you can eat these big meals and be able to absorb these big meals. And then you combine that with all the, the drugs and steroids you're using in genetics, you can stay lean doing that. But then, you know, you're sitting at home, if you were to follow the, and eat the amount of food that these guys are eating and take all that insulin, you're just going to get fat. You're just going to get fat. So in the bubble gut case, <clears throat> I think it's a combination of everything. I think a lot of food is a big reason for it. And, um, you know, we talk about Palumboism. That's, that's after Dave Palumbo, who kind of popularized the term in, in a negative way. I actually interviewed Dave Palumbo a couple of times on my old podcast. And um, you guys come back and listen to it. And he, he, and he, he was very confident that the bubble gut is caused by too much food. And I believe it because you can test it on yourself. You can test, like, you, you wake, you might wake up with like a flat stomach, Rick. And then as the day goes on, you're eating different things. But here's what happens over time as your gut health gets worse and worse, your body's going to get have a harder time digesting these foods. You're going to build up food allergies, eating the same foods day in and day out as bodybuilders tend to do because it's not simpler just to buy in bulk, right? So when you eat the same foods day in and day out, you develop allergies to food. And when you develop allergies to food, you're going to have a hard time digesting those foods and it's going to irritate your gut and it's going to cause a little bloating. So I think a big part of it is the amount of food that are taken. And when you eat these huge ass meals, huge ass meals, it's going to cause a blow, you know? And you, like I said, you can test it out. You wake up in the morning, you have a flat stomach. As the day goes on, you're eating these big meals, eating these big meals, and your, your stomach does enlarge during the day. So you do that over the course of years. And that's where the, the bubble gut comes into play for sure. So I think I, you know, that's, that's my explanation for, I don't think they did a good job in the podcast of really leveling with people and explaining uh, the truth, which is, you know, not something we like to do on this podcast, but um, yeah, Rick, give your thoughts on this and I'll kind of follow up on it. It's a very interesting uh, discussion, very interesting discussion um, to say the least. Um, I'm going to cite a study from uh, PubMed where it says, our findings have shown that systemic administration of growth hormone increases intestinal growth by stimulating crypt cell production, as has been reported in previous studies. Uh, and this is uh, effects of growth hormone on small intestine homeostasis relation to cellular mediators, IGF-1 and IGF-BP-3. So, um, this is just to just throw one out there. It's kind of sort of uh, already known that growth hormone will do this. And maybe insulin has additional effects. Either it increases the way that growth hormone does it or insulin itself does have an intestine swelling uh, uh, side effect to it, especially insulin and the amounts these guys are taking, right? Because when a, when a diabetic takes insulin, they're replacing insulin their body's not making. When a bodybuilder takes insulin, they're adding more insulin than the body would normally make to the insulin their body it's already, it's already making, right? So 
uh, there could be some uh, uh, intracellular water retention. There could be uh, many other other factors there. I'm sure if I dive deep into into some of the studies, I'll I'll find some some of this evidence. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean uh, the the part that that I don't want to think guys would be lying, like especially Dorian. What what need would he have to lie when he says like, hey, my waist went back to normal after I got off the drugs? So. I don't think he has a, any real reason to lie. I mean, what would he be embarrassed to admit and say, hey, you know, my, my waist stayed kind of swollen and never went. Like, would he be embarrassed to admit it? I, I, I doubt it. I think he would he would do everyone in the community a service and report his actual real effects and results from it. And if he's not lying to himself and his waist really did decrease in size once he cut off insulin and HGH use, there might be something to it. There may be some of these effects are reversed once you uh, once you cut out the steroids. Maybe some of these side effects are are reversed. There are steroid side effects that can't be reversed even when the steroids are removed. One of them, for example, is uh, thickening of the voice in females. I've run across many uh, Instagram models that have done a, a, a cycle or two to get themselves over the, uh, their genetic limits. But once they stop using the steroids, their voice is still, the voice is still a bit hoarse. Still. Uh, their voice never goes back to the way it was before the, the juice. And if any of you ladies uh, have a different experience out there, then lucky you. Lucky you, because I could think of a couple of them that I know tried the sauce, maybe were on it for a couple of years, a couple of competitions, we're done with it, just continue to be hot looking Instagram models, no, no more competitions, no more steroids, still the voice is there. So um, are the effects on the gut reversible over time or not? Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably take on, on Palumboism in another podcast. I think this would be a really good one, a really good compound episode for you and I to do. And I'll take the time before the episode to really go hard, deep into the studies. There's so many things to research here, guys. There's several studies for each different drug. There's several studies for each different uh, peptide. I mean, there's just different studies for everything that this is one I think I've really, because I, I don't use insulin and I don't use human growth hormone. So this is one that I've probably neglected to hyper fixate on. But now that I'm on the road to maybe getting started in my 40s now with peptides and, and growth, maybe is is really worth me hyper fixating on this stuff and, and really going deep into every study and, and buy as many of uh, the studies as I can on, on this stuff uh, and really get into it. Maybe we'll do a Palumboism podcast in, in the next uh, couple of months here, guys. Yeah. So a little, little nugget of information as well. And this was, you know, this is also backed by some uh, studies as well. And that's that, you know, insulin plays a big factor because we have the greatest concentration of insulin receptors on our, around our stomachs. So if you overdo insulin over time, which you, which they do at the, at that level, because they're running so much human growth hormone, they have to use insulin to drive their blood sugar back down. Right. So it's going to promote the fat storage as visceral fat around the stomach region. So it's like almost like a layer, like a belt of visceral fat that kind of gets stored in there, gets scored, stored like underneath the skin. 
Really weird, huh? So even if they have like a six pack, you know, they have a rib six pack, they still have this belt going over the six pack that gives them that pot belly look. It's like a turtle shell. So it's kind of like it's it's distended out. So and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, over time, what happens is, you know, with the bodybuilder diets, it's very protein heavy. And the, a lot of the proteins are, you know, some of the things I talked about in the past are not the type of proteins that are, you know, such a good idea. Like it's a lot of steak, a lot of beef, a lot of chicken, just muscle parts of the animal. There's no bone marrow, you know, from bone broth. There's no fats from the meats. There's no other parts of animal, like the organs, very, very important, the organs. How many of these pro bodybuilders eat bone, bone marrow, organs, fats from protein? No, they're told, oh, low fat, low fat. It's gotta be low fat, lean proteins, just lean protein. So you're eating nothing but lean protein chicken, lean protein steaks, lean protein beef. What do you think is going to happen? You know, it's, it's, it's all, it's just going to destroy your gut health. It's going to go in your gut and, and make, you know, just drive your gut into a, a wrong direction over time. So then you've got to start using, really, you've got to start using it ahead of time. Lots of fiber. You got to start taking a lot of, you know, psyllium husk. You got to, you got to get on the probiotics. You got to take digestive enzymes as you're building up all these deficiencies where your body can't digest all these foods. You're eating so many different foods all day. Bodybuilders will eat 12, 15 different types of food during the day. You think they just eat brown rice and chicken all day? No, they're eating like 12, 15 different things. And that's 12, 15 different things that your body has to digest. And the enzymes, your body has to kick out all these enzymes. So over time, your digestive system gets, gets overdone. And then plus, Rick, they're eating every two hours. They're waking up, eating, going to work out, eating. Every two hours, they're throwing food at their body. Their, their guts just don't have time to repair itself. So over time, of course, it's gonna, you're going to get the bubble gut, of course. So it's very important to, you know, to learn from this and not, not copy-paste you know, how these guys are eating. You see these videos of these bodybuilders that you know, they're in the supermarket and they're buying groceries and they're buying these huge amounts of groceries. You would think they have like a family of six at home, but it's just their food. And then you're like, well, you know, let me copy what these bodybuilders are doing. Let me go get four or 500 grams of protein a day. And let me eat five, six, 700,000 calories, you know, because that's what he's doing. And he looks really good. And I don't look like him. Well, if you do it, you're just going to get fat. In their case, they're able to stay very lean body fat wise, but they're getting the bubble guts. So they're, they're getting the bubble guts. So it's, you know, there's always, the body always has ways to punish you. I'll put it that way. So Rick, any, any final thoughts on this? Yeah, it's just a, a real interesting topic to, uh, to dive into. I think it's, it's very, very interesting. And um yeah, more, there's definitely more to come, guys, in uh, in future episodes. We're gonna we're gonna get deeper into this for sure. So last uh, last thing we're gonna talk about is hernias and other bodybuilding injuries that you may need surgeries for down the line. So I've got a couple of hernias. 
And um, I developed, I'm not sure how I developed my side hernia, but I know my stomach hernia that I developed was from deadlifting. And um, it's basically a tear. And basically, I'll tell you exactly what I was doing. I, they had just put in at my gym a uh, deadlift kind of machine, right? And, you know, I went in there and the technique on this thing and the posture isn't, isn't particularly good. But um, I wanted to try it anyway. At the time, they didn't have a setup where you could do deadlifting. So having a machine like this was kind of cool, you know, where you could kind of, it's like one of these machines, you kind of grab a bar uh, with your right and left hand, but it's a bar going, it's going, um, it's not going vertical, it's going horizontal. So it's not like a bar that's going straight uh, vertical you know, that you're holding when you do, you know, regular power lift, you know, with a power deadlift, you know, this is the, the, you're just holding it with both, both your hands and then your lift, you're lifting. So I was doing like 550 pounds or something. And when I did it, I kind of felt something in my stomach area. And what that was is a umbilical hernia or a hiatal hernia. Um, and that happens when an internal organ pushes through a weak spot in your muscle or tissue. So that's what happened. I had a little tear and that's, that's what happened. So, um, I've had this for a while and, you know, it's not going to go away on its own. What's going to, what's going to end up happening is it's going to, um, at some point I may tear it even worse and it's going to grow. And then when that happens, that's when I'm going to have to go get surgery to, to repair it. So, but you can go months or years without having to do anything for it. So it's one of these things that it's not growing. I'm not irritating it. I'm not lifting heavy like I used to. And so it's not, it's not an issue for me, but at some point I'm going to have to get it taken care of, but it's always a good idea sometimes to avoid getting a surgery done. Um, it's not really necessary. And just the, the spot where I have it is, is a little different, but there's all kinds of different things as, as a femoral hernia. Those are more common. Those are hernias kind of like, um, you know, your groin area, inguinal hernia, also your groin area. Those are the most common types of, of hernias that guys are going to get. And then you have, you know, what I have more in your stomach and an umbilical hernia, you have an incisional hernia, there's a spigillian hernia. So, you know, those are the, the main types of hernias that you can, you can expect to get in your body. Um, and then there's also epigastric hernia, which is up toward the chest. You know, so, you know, those are the things, some other bodybuilding injuries that you may experience is herniated discs, very, very common. And I have several herniated discs. I think everyone listening to this podcast, if you put in hours in the gym over time, there's a good chance that you have herniated discs. You just don't know it because you haven't got an MRI done. And what happens is a lot of times herniated discs are okay. Um, I, you know, if they're not bothering you, uh, then it's not a problem. Some people might have one herniated disc and it bothers the crap out of them. Some people may have five herniated discs and it doesn't bother them. You know what I'm saying? So my herniated discs do bother me sometimes. Yoga has been the only thing that's helped me uh, with my herniated discs because yoga 
really does a good job of lubricating, you know, my spine, lubricating my joints, getting my mobility improved, getting my flexibility improved. So that's been a lifesaver. Decompressing, <coughs> um, getting an inversion table is a really good idea. Inversion table where you kind of, you know, you're upside down for a little bit and that kind of stretches you and kind of fights gravity. So, you know, as human beings, we evolved during, you know, a period where, you know, there was a lot of grass. So there was bushes and grass and all kinds of foliage. So we evolved to stand up, but unfortunately by standing up, gravity is kind of pushing down on us to make matters worse. When we weight train, that also causes a lot of compression. So these spinal injuries are something that we're all going to have to deal with. I really encourage the younger guys in your 20s to, as hard as this is going to be, and you can argue, oh, Steve, you didn't do it yourself, which is true. Well, that's why I'm telling you, please, please, please always use proper form in the gym. And please, please, please be careful if you lift heavy. You know, lifting heavy is something that's a necessity if you want to compete as a power lifter, like I get it, but if you're not competing and just, there's no need to push yourself to, to get one or two rep maxes, you know, stick to the higher rep ranges and, and do the, the lifts properly. Don't sacrifice form just to do an extra five or 10 pounds and you'll have a much better chance of keeping yourself healthy. And then as far as spinal health, before I bring in you and Rick, guys, don't wait till you start having problems. You know, you should be doing this early. You should be getting an inversion table and using that. If you weight train, you should do an inversion table after your weight training. If you weight train, you should be doing yoga to offset that damage you did weight training to decompress yourself. If you weight train, you should be using, you should be eating a lot of good fats in your diet. You should be getting unrefined cold pressed coconut oil, get a tub of that and use that in your food. That's great. Those good fats are what we need in our body, you know? So don't wait until the problem comes to start fixing it. You should be taking a, you know, don't procrastinate. In other words, you should be basically getting ahead of it, guys. It's like going, it's like the dentist analogy. Do you wait until you need a root canal to get your teeth taken care of, or do you get your cavity taken? If your doctor, if your dentist says, Hey, you have a cavity, do you just leave the cavity alone and not get it done? Cause you don't want to pay 120 bucks. Well, if you leave it alone six months from now, that cavity is going to require a root canal. And now it's going to cost 1500 bucks. And then you have to pay another 1500 bucks to crown that tooth after they do the root canal. So, because just because you procrastinated well, the same thing with this, don't procrastinate on this stuff, get in ahead of it. And then you won't have these problems once you get older, you know, and that's going to um, make life a lot easier for you guys. You know, this isn't, this isn't something here. When you, as you get older, you, your body is a lot of wear and tear on your body and your body starts breaking down. That's why you see professional athletes rarely make it into their forties. They usually retire in their late twenties, early thirties, you know, at best, they might make it into the mid to late thirties. And then if you're a crazy, incredible guy like Tom Brady, you'll make it into your early to mid forties and still, still play, <laughs> you know, but that's a rare situation. 
for the right, you know, for everyone else, all that wear and tear you do in the gym is going to catch up to you. So you have to do maintenance on your body. Rick, uh, finish out the show with your thoughts on this. So uh, basically, my father had a hernia a few years ago. And since he had the hernia, I've been really worried myself about hernias. And, and I researched hernias quite a bit and researched how to prevent them because it's something that, that worries me. Main reason is because my father has always been very active. You know, he's in like two or three soccer leagues, plays sometimes as many as four games in, on, on a weekend, um, you know, real soccer games competitively. So he's always been in great shape, but he never got his hernia playing. He got his hernia a moving furniture around when he was moving, moving places. And reason, I, I think one of the main reasons was, obviously there was, he had, an underlying health issue that probably was weakening his um, his abdominal wall. And I'll get to that in a minute. But when you do like a move, you're moving a house or you do a sudden, sudden kind of strength, uh, you don't you don't have time to warm up. You know, when he goes to play his games, he warms up before the game, stretches out before the game. But once he's he's up, uh, but once you you know, let's say you got to lift something or you're changing a tire or you go something like that, or you're lifting your kid or whatever it is, or, or you just stepped into the gym and you didn't warm up and stretch properly. Sometimes a subtle movement like that could cause a tear in, in what could have been maybe healthy tissue, or maybe there was already some, some underlying issue there weakening the abdominal wall. And, and so uh, finally, this is the, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, this is the, the last coffee bean that broke the donkey's back. Okay, it was this this one movement, this one thing you did. Um, my father's case, he got the hernia uh, operated. He had to because his some of his intestines kind of pushed through the abdominal through a hole in the abdominal wall, which is what a full hernia hernia is. When you get a real hernia, these your intestines are kind of pushing out the, the abdominal wall. And um, he had a choice between getting a synthetic mesh or getting a mesh made out of. Uh, of a parts of a pig, which were at that point before they put it in you, they're, they're DNA neutral. They, they, they're detergents they can use in a lab to wash DNA out of those cells. And, and what you're left with is a structure that's mostly collagen. And when you use a, a collagen structure like that in your body, uh, then your, your cells can, the DNA of your cells can take over that collagen structure and it becomes a part of you eventually. Um, I remember when he had the choice between getting a synthetic mesh put in or a, uh, a pig, a tissue, a mesh put in. We, we opted to pay additional funds uh, to his insurance to have the pig mesh put in there because I, I knew. I knew the pig mesh would become a part of him, and I knew the plastic mesh would be always a foreign object that was in his body. And look, if you can avoid having foreign objects in your body, uh, the more the better. You know, any kind of tissue, any kind of stuff that's not meant to be in your body, but you're adding it because of surgery, just, just don't try, try not to, if at all you can. That's just my opinion based on what, just on my gut feeling. Um, and so, uh, you know, you know what, uh, um, a lot of people that got those uh, synthetic meshes are now uh, taking uh, their surgeons and, and the companies that make the mesh to the to court now because uh, some people have had issues with those apparently. So I think there's a class action going on against some of these mesh companies. So uh, reasons for hernia and how to prevent them. Well, uh, one of the thing is, is really just uh, a, 
sometimes there's pressure. A certain part of your organs, a certain part of your internals are pressing uh, on, a, on a certain part of your abdomen, uh, and, and it's unnatural. Your, your, your abdominal wall, your abs, is, is what's holding in most, you know, your organs. That's why when your organ, when your abdominal wall is pierced, uh, your organs tend to burst out. Uh, we've maybe seen pictures in accidents when the organs burst out or, or pictures of war of things like that. When, when somebody's uh, abdomen or somebody's uh, abs, that muscle is torn open and, and, the, and the organs just burst out. Because what's really holding the organs in, you know, holding all, all this stuff in there, that, that it's, it's really your abdominal wall. And so if you have constipation or you suffer from constipation because you don't take enough fiber, uh, you might have uh, some uh, stuff, some parts of your, of your organs that are going to be pushing hard against a certain part of your abdominal wall. Um, also, just not using proper lifting techniques and lifting too heavy, not warming up, not stretching out could also put you at a, at a greater risk. Um, smokers, people who smoke. Cigarettes or marijuana, especially marijuana, uh, you get into a coughing spell <laughs> from from smoking at chronic um, coughing, big coughing spells because you don't stretch out for a coughing spell because they're not controlled. You know, like imagine doing a non-controlled movement uh, could weaken, could cause small tears in your abdominal wall that could later become a hernia when you uh, when you lift. Uh, not. Another thing is not, not having good core strength, you know, working on your chest and biceps and triceps and you're not doing planks, something simple as planks, not doing your crunchies, not doing oblique crunchies, you know, not doing any of these things, not increasing your core strength, uh, but you're, you're lifting heavy weights, not a good way to go either, you know, um, also, uh, if you have an enlarged prostate, you know, guys who have enlarged prostate, you might strain during the time you're going to go pee. You know, some guys get like benign enlarged prostate during the steroid use. Well, when you're going to pee, you might be pushing it harder than you're supposed to and maybe peeing more often. That also could, could create a, a weak spots, maybe start, starts off as an internal tear in your abdomen that can later develop into a full blown out hernia that bursts and once the organs create a tear and, and burst through the organ that's under pressure burst through um your abdominal wall uh only surgery will push that thing back in you know only surgery will push that sucker back in uh, small kind of internal tears micro tears in between the muscles stuff like that those can be repaired uh naturally without surgery at least that it makes sense to me that they would be I'll, I'll look if there's a study out there on it and maybe address it in another podcast. But um, once it, 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 it fully cuts through and the organ pushes out, the organ is going to prevent that muscle from meeting again. The organ is going to prevent your ab muscles from, from meeting each other again to, to heal up. That's when the doctor has to get involved. But as long as the muscle that hasn't torn through, uh, if you have some weakness, by addressing constipation and large prostate Stop fucking smoking that chronic or stop smoking cigarettes and coughing so damn much. Um, you, you know, you'll, you'll prevent, you can prevent it. But yeah, coughing, funny enough, coughing can, coughing, and then you put that along with weightlifting, 
um, you could be on the road to a hernia, right? So um, throwing up too, throwing up, because that that yeah. when I threw up, it grew when I um, uh, around uh, that, that maybe a few days later. These uncontrolled abdominal spasmic movements, very bad for you. And you already had the hernia, Steve, and then you threw up, and that made it worse. Well, uh, someone who uh, smokes uh, marijuana, uh, uh, a flower. Uh, every day or every couple of days um, might have uncontrolled coughing spells in a, in a year, maybe a hundred or 200 times, you know, 365 day year might have a couple hundred uncontrolled coughing spells that last uh, a minute, you know, a few seconds to a minute or, or two. And these kind of things, and then you go in and weight lift on top of that. Uh, these kind of things could, you know, constipation, constipation is a big one. You know, some guys don't take enough fiber. You don't take enough psyllium husk. You have a parts of your intestine where there is a, a undigested food that's kind of creating a bulge, an unnatural kind of bulge on, on part of your abdomen. And really, guys, it's your ab muscles that are keeping in all those guts, that are keeping those guts from spilling out. If you cut a section across your ab muscles like a samurai, cutting open an opponent, um, guts will burst out. Most likely than not, or most people, guts will, guts will fall right out. So if remembering that there's always constant pressure from the inside pushing out on your abdominal wall will help you kind of understand and, and visualize how a hernia could, could happen. And um, yeah, I mean, things to prevent it, that's, that's what I have. I researched hernias after my father went to his deal because I consider my father, uh, for his age, the epitome of, of health, of a healthy individual. And maybe... Um, seeing when he gets hurt, when something happens to him and he's, you know, uh, 18 years older than I am, a young man when I was born, uh, makes, helps me kind of foresee what, what my future could have, could have been like. So I've been really, uh, careful about hernias and, and, and having taken preventive measures now before I ever get one. Cause I don't want to be cut open to, uh, to have a hernia. I don't, I mean, the more you can avoid surgeries, the better, in my opinion. Many times your father and I have sat down and discussed your future. My future. You and my father have discussed my future. My future. What movie is that? No clue. The, the, the Godfather? Godfather? Yeah, the Godfather. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a Godfather quoting guy. I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's a scene um, in, in part two at the end because his father had got him out of the you know, having to serve in the military, got him a deferment and he didn't want a deferment. He didn't want to basically, you know, accept nepotism from his dad. He wanted to earn his way through life. And that's how it should be. You know, we should all be equal. You know, we work hard. You educate yourself on this shit. You know, you put in the hours, you should be able to be where you want to be, but that's just not how it works. I mean, it's a genetic element, genetic element to, to bodybuilding, but that doesn't mean you still can't improve. That's why we love weight training. Everybody listen to this podcast. We've got guys with great genetics. We've got pros that listen to this podcast. We've got guys. I know we got pros because back in the day, you know, a couple of years ago when I was doing the podcast with my old host, Trevor, the pros would be hitting us up. They want to come on the podcast. They want to be interviewed. All the time. So we got pros listening to this podcast. We got dudes listening to this podcast, Rick. 
They they just started weight training a few days ago, a week ago, a month ago. So we got people from all walks of life that listen to this podcast. So we thank all of you. We've got a half million views on this podcast. Number one podcast out there, guys. Number one fucking podcast out there. So we're all in this. We're all equal. No matter what your genetics are, you're a pro, you're a newbie, don't matter. That's a nice thing about, that's why we love weight training. You don't got to be good at this shit to do it. It's not like another, it's not like these other sports where you actually have to be good at it to even go out there. Weight training, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Anyone can improve. So this was episode number 454. We will talk to you guys next week. I think we will do another one like this in the future. If you guys like it, let us know. Take care. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.